and welcome to The Juice and the Squeeze. I'm Julia Strand, here as always with my co-host, Jonathan Peel. Hello, Jonathan. Hey, Julia. How are things? Things are good. Things are busy. Um, yeah, uh, you got some. You got some big news. I, I do. So I'm moving to Northeastern University this summer uh, after 10 years at Washington University in St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, what is what's Northeastern's mascot? I want to say go Huskies. Huskies. Where the Huskies go Huskies. Yep. Uh, I mean, uh, okay. So so you know, full disclosure, I have not been to very many. WashU sports games, and I may not be to very many Northeastern sports games, but I will probably root for the Huskies uh, any chance I get. Yes, and make sure, you know, you buy a sweatshirt with a Husky on it or something. Yeah, exactly. That's on my to-do list. (laughs) (laughs) And so you moved to begin in the fall of this year. Yep, yeah, yeah. So my my start date is in August, and um, Mm -hmm. so I'll be there for the fall, not teaching in the fall. And so, I mean, many of you, dear listeners, know all this, but um, I'm currently at the medical school at WashU, and at Northeastern, I will not be at the medical school because they don't have one. And so I have a um, a center appointment, which is the Center for Cognitive and Brain Health, um, woohoo, uh, new center, which is which is great, which I can talk about sometime. But then my department appointments, which are separate, are in communication sciences, which is my primary department, and psychology, which is my secondary. And so one funny funny thing about this move is on the one hand, I've been a you know a professor of some sort for 10 years, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but I know what I'm doing in this like in my current um in my current role, which is like very limited. And so now all of a sudden I'm getting mm-hmm. thrown into like a very new role where I have like committees to be on. I've never been on a committee in my whole life. Like I know like professors are on committees, but I'm not because I'm at the medical school. We don't have committees. They just want me to do research. And so it's going to be a um, like a learning curve just sort of job wise, I think, to manage, you know, more more and or different teaching responsibilities and you know, administrative and like service stuff, which, which is all great. Uh, and many of you guys do this already, but, um, it'll be new for me. Yeah. Well, I bet that'll lead to some good, uh, podcast. Fire. Yes. Every, every week I'll be like, Julia, I have to do this committee. What do I do? <laughs> Ooh, uh, I have, I will have things to say. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Good. Um, yeah. Anyway, we're, we're, we're excited. So, um, uh, this is what I put on Twitter, but also if, for those of you who aren't on Twitter, uh, uh, my wife and I both have family sort of back out east, and so we've been um, looking for ways to get closer to family. And so, you know, kind of like there's anyone can move for any reason, and it's all fine. Um, but this was definitely not like, oh, Washu is bad, and I need a better job. It was a great job, and um, I don't know if I would have left otherwise. But the chance to be closer to family at this time in our lives with young kids and parents who are still around and, and healthy and stuff like that was, was really the, the driving factor. So yeah, um, it makes such I'm a super excited actually about Northeastern. It's like an awesome, seems like an awesome place. And I, I have great colleagues there uh, and all that will be fantastic, but, but also it's not like a, Oh, I've been looking to move for a long time. So it's, it's kind of, right. it's a bittersweet kind of um, uh, kind of thing. Yeah. So it's a, it's a time of big change. Jonathan moving off to uh, his his next institution. It's also um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Carlton recently had our graduation, um, and this was the first graduation that felt kind of normal ish post COVID. Um, mm-hmm. There was an in person graduation last year, but uh, it had all kinds of strict rules about things. 
And then there wasn't one in 2020, of course, um, or an in, in-person in one. And I was sitting at graduation and thinking about, you know, transitions and all of this. And I, I just adore graduation ceremonies. And I was trying to think about why. And I think it, it actually it makes kind of a nice point about stuff that we've talked about in the past, too, which is um, what I think is so special about graduation is that it's an opportunity to sit with, like, thousands of people who are all gathered together to, like, share in this emotional experience and ritual that is centered around being proud of young people for learning stuff. Mm, yeah. And, like, what what a, what a more beautiful thing is there to all get together to, like, celebrate and honor? And in, in our culture, we have so few opportunities for for ceremonies, right? Like there aren't there just aren't that many ceremonies, at least, you know, in my life. And so having one that is all about like being proud of young people for learning, man, that is just mm-hmm. that is really my jam. Mm-hmm. So I had a delightful time at graduation. Uh uh and and especially so one of the things that Carlton does at graduation is after graduation happens and like the names have been read and everything. Um, we do this thing called the gauntlet where faculty get up first and like walk out of the ceremony and form a single file tunnel that goes like all the way across our main quad, the bald spot. And then the graduates like walk through this tunnel and you just get to like high five or hug or fist bump or shout at or whatever. And it's so fun to see those clever sweet faces walking down and get to hug them and be so proud of them and Mm -hmm. man oh man i love it i love it i'm so happy it's back (laughs) i mean that's 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 cool um do do you remember your own you know undergraduate graduation yeah yeah it was um uh it was nice i didn't have a very strong emotional reaction to it Mm -hmm. um yeah, I don't yeah, I don't know. I mean like my parents really wanted me to do it and so I did and we had family and it was nice. I remember mostly having my head kind of be caught up in the logistics of where are we going to dinner and I have to be moved out by this date and mm-hmm. you know, those those things. But I don't know. Now with a little distance, now I'm moved by it. Mm-hmm. It's for it's for us older folks, not for, yeah. not for the young well, people themselves. Well, don't you think <laughs> I mean uh, this is probably not true for everyone. I'm sure it's not true for everyone. But after 4 years in uh, you know, in college and, and sort of looking forward to this. Like, I mean, many people as a sophomore assume they're going to graduate, right? As a junior, mm-hmm, you assume mm-hmm. you're going to graduate. You're a senior, you're looking forward to it, you plan it. And so then it happens and it might be exciting, but you sort of like, like, yeah, like I, this was the plan. This was right? coming. This was and the it plan. doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously people, stuff doesn't go to according to plan, but for, for lots of people it does. Um, and I feel like you almost take, you know, you take it for granted in a way. And yeah. I think for, yep. but then as, as a faculty member who, um, is really invested in, in education as sort of like, a um, I don't know what the word is like, I mean, it's a, like a calling, a moral mm-hmm. imperative. Like we, I think many of us think that this is really, really super duper important. And we put a lot of ourselves into helping these students. And, and we also see the students who, who don't take it for granted and who have various struggles and so on. And so seeing them sort of as a group, right kind of having reached this um milestone i think is pretty important 
Yeah. And and also that it's an opportunity, you know, it's, it's very easy in any job, especially in academia, to get kind of mired in the details of I got to grade this stuff. My grant renewal is due mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And like having those opportunities to just like pause and sit back and think about like what it is that we are doing as part mm-hmm. of this institution and, you know, mm-hmm. what it means to educate young people. Um, I think it's really nice to have those kind of big picture moments, too. And and graduation just totally does that for me. Yeah. Plus, well, and, I just and, love all the all the like nonsense and the uh-huh. costumes uh-huh. and the marching order. Just the only thing I love more than pomp is circumstance. You know. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah, I, I I do think it's very cool. Um, still on my bucket list. Um, is I so I never I never got a robe. So I, I got my PhD from Brandeis University, and I never got a Brandeis robe. Um, because they're expensive if you want to buy your own robe. And it's kind of silly and whatever. And at WashU, they would give us, you know, free robes if you attend graduation, but but they're like kind of WashU colors, like green or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and so on my bucket list is to get my Brandeis blue robe so that when I go to graduation, I can represent. So I got I got my WashU robes not like right when I graduated, but when I um I don't know, maybe like my second year of having a faculty job. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I was really struck by, I don't know, maybe I'm being naughty talking about this publicly, but um, one of the things that I was really struck by is when you call the like company that bestows robes upon people, mm-hmm. um, they say like, what school did you go to? What degree did you get? Like what division was it? But they don't actually ask for any documentation uh-huh. that you actually got that degree from that school. Uh-huh. And I was like, wait a minute. Could I get robes? Could I just pick out the coolest color robes from anywhere that I want? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't do that. The Washu ones are beautiful, and I was happy to have those. But, uh, You're like, Ox- Oxford. Yes, of yeah. course. Yeah. <laughs> Or like, who's uh-huh. just the most colorful and have the most ridiculous hat? That's what mm-hmm. I want. <laughs> well, I do. I mean, that, that is part of the fun, right? It's like you is trying to look at all the other faculty members and trying to figure out, you know, where they went. And, which yeah. I, you know, I mean, there's a lot of schools I I know, but there's a lot more that I don't know. So yeah, it's kind of fun too. Do you have I, a favorite? Also... Sorry, do you have a favorite? Uh, you know, any anyway, institution for their garb? Um, the, the Dartmouth hats are mm-hmm. particularly ridiculous. I uh-huh. really like those. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I kind of kicked around the idea of, of making some cause I, I have dabbled in making clothes in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not like they have to be form fitting or anything. Right. Um, but it turns out even just that much velvet is expensive to buy. Mm-hmm. But you could put in like all sorts of cool secret pockets or like, yeah. you know, accoutrement. Special kind badges. Of, exactly. Right. <laughs> a wand pocket, a phone pocket, <laughs> you know, a, a sword scabbard or all the stuff that you might need. All right. Well, you should be thinking about this when you get yours. Yeah. Well, grab an order from you. <laughs> Think about how much you're going to charge. <laughs> so, Julia, we have a little bit of follow up from like months and months ago because of our our slow release schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was actually the end of last year. Uh, I horrified you by, by telling you my plans for email. Uh, d- can you summarize for our listeners what I said I was going to, what I said I was going to do? Oh, nope. Nope. I cannot. You, okay. I, I, <laughs> I remember I'll summarize the horror. It. I remember my emotional reaction, but I don't yeah. remember the details. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the whole point was, um, so this is sort of in a broader context of, you know, time management and also in, in the context of that book, um, 4,000 Weeks that you and I have both read uh, independently and talked about a little bit. And, um, you know, I w- I've been thinking about, I mean, email is is super important. And I feel like 
uh, so so my my kind of default approach to email is um, which I think is is more what you do is you know deal with all of it right away and efficiently and then you can rest. And but I I also noticed that other people had a different approach. Um, which was sort of like get to what they can and don't get to what they don't get to. And so um, lots of people that I work with who I respect a lot, um, they, and they also they, they make it 10 or 20 times as much email as I do, whatever, but they certainly do not get to all of it. And I know that because I don't get replies all the time. So I, I started a little experiment last year, which was uh, instead of trying to deal with email, um, there's a lot of metaphors for this. It's sort of like, Oh, I don't, and, and and they're all they're all bad. I don't know what they all are, but it's sort of like you know, bailing out the ship with a little cup while it's while it's sinking, or <laughs> you know, emptying the ocean with the teaspoon. It's sort of like even the times when I when I actually dealt with all the email, but that meant that I wasn't doing stuff that I really thought was important, right? So, like, mm-hmm. if you asked me, Jonathan, what are the three most important things that you want to do with your career? Like, email would not be one, two, or three. But I would, mm-hmm. that, I would spend all my time doing it. And right, so if I only have half an hour, do I want to do email or do I want to write a book or write a paper or whatever? Um, so I started Cause, thinking cause you about could it. Because you, you could write a book in a half an hour if need be. Totally. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, but you you could write it. You could write a paragraph, right? You, you could, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, and so... Uh, uh, and so I started, you know, just experimenting a little bit with a different approach to email, which was trying to actively trying not to respond to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is very hard for me. I think some people it comes naturally to because they don't, they don't, they don't care or they're just not as organized or they just literally can't. And so they give up. Right. Um, but for me, I, I'm sort of at this point where I could, if I tried and I'm actively trying not to. And so what I, I did, I, I was trying to um, only check my email like a couple times a week. And I had like a, a special filter that would like, you know, five special people, like my department chair, I would check that all the time. Uh, but, but, but most people would just go into the pile and I, and I tried not to, to always look at the pile anyway. So, um, I would actually, I would say largely that was pretty successful in Mm -hmm. that I did not miss out on any big things that I know of, (laughs) the caveat that I know of. Uh, I don't think I offended anyone. And I honestly, I probably, anyway, just because of my personality, I probably did actually write back to almost the same number of people. But it, but what I avoided was the constant checking and worrying and guilt about it. So I, I reduced the kind of mental burden of it, even if okay. I didn't actually reduce the number of replies that I sent. I think there were like three emails I didn't reply to that I like saw and I was like, oh, I should do that. But I allowed myself not to not to do it. Mm-hmm. The um, the wrench in the works was that like midway through this quote unquote experiment was when all the job stuff was going on with um, Northeastern oh. and also so which also, you know, resulted in a flurry of emails at Wash U for stuff. And so then I didn't feel comfortable <laughs> like ignoring my yep. email for a while. So I, I sort of like got off that bandwagon and now I'm now I'm back on to responding to everything very quickly to try to just facilitate stuff. But anyway, I think sure. I think my plan is to try to go back to a less emaily sort of sort of life and we'll see if that's uh effective or not. Yeah, well, I'm glad you found something that works for you. And I think, you know, there's lots of different ways that people can go about it and I've even found different approaches that work well for me at different times. Mm-hmm. Um I recently took email off my phone 
Mm-hmm. Um, That's a and good one. Mm-hmm. in in part, just to make me, I would kind of just out of force of habit, like just check it, even yeah. if I wasn't really interested in it, just yeah. like pick up my phone and check it. Exactly. And now it at least makes me say, do you want like, like think to myself, do you actually want to check your emails right now? Because the other thing is I have found there are very few times when checking my email brings joyful news. <laughs> right. But yeah, lots exactly. of times where it's like, oh, God, yeah, I got to do that. Shoot. Mm-hmm. That's the, you know, like there are lots of times when it like brings stress. And so really, right. you know, m- making a conscious decision to be like, this is an opportunity for you to, by all likelihood, introduce stress into your life. Do you mm-hmm. want to do that now or not? Um, and so mm-hmm. that's that's been a useful a useful change for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's that's yeah. Maybe the bigger picture is is. Uh, to some degree, I'm like, I'm framing it as like ignoring email or not writing back to people. But in practice, like I said, I, I actually um, probably it doesn't change that habit very much, but it means I'm interacting less with it. And so it has reduced my stress around around it. And also, yeah. I know that I shouldn't do this. And I'm like, I'm like the number one evangelist for not using your email as a to-do list and also Uh i still do that all the time now um Uh and so i pull up my email and even there's nothing new i see the five emails i'm that i've saved there because there's stuff i can't i can't do now and so it's just reminding me about the you know stuff i owe people and stuff that i'm late on or whatever and again it's in that moment it's not very helpful yeah i'm about to go to bed i can't go do the thing right now and so now i'm just like feeling stressed about it so yeah i think Anyway, I do. I, I'm a big proponent for for trying to be um, intentional about it and finding what works for you, and and that is going to be different than what works for someone else. And so, Julie yep. and I probably are going to find different ways to do it, but at least we're trying to think about like what are the consequences of our approach. You know, mm-hmm. hopefully, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and dear listeners, we always love to hear from you and hear about how you do things and what uh, uh what. What has been working for you or not working for you? Of course, you can always contact us at thejuiceandsqueeze at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And I love, I mean, this is, I would just, anyway, even if we don't talk about it on air, which we, we may well, but um, I would just, I just geek out over people's like workflows and how they handle, handle stuff <laughs> like emails and calendars and things like that. Yeah. Someday, Julia, for the future, can we pencil in talking about calendar stuff? I know that I think we've done a little bit in the past and I think I'm, potentially more enthusiastic about this than you are but um i'm fine with it as long as it comes with a content warning that lets people know that it's going to be yeah. <laughs> unless you are a productivity nerd uh-huh. boring <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well yes okay great that's fine but you know for the for the nerds among us who are into that i would be happy to nerd out about that stuff great okay to be clear i'm very into that stuff i just you know want to be careful with no what i, we I understand well, this is what people to. are here for both of our yeah, listeners right. are here for hearing us talk about the stuff yeah bring on the nerd <laughs> talk <Yeah. laughs> all right well we are uh, uh school's out for summer and we thought that this would be a nice opportunity to talk about you we, we spend a lot of time talking about our work lives and how we do email and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but of course, work isn't in, and shouldn't be the only things that we do with our lives. And so we thought we would take an uh, episode um, to talk about hobbies and extracurriculars and the things we do outside of work that that bring us joy and how we make time for them and how we figure out what they want, what they, what we want them to be and so forth. So it's hobby day. Woohoo. Woohoo. <laughs> 
And this was kind of inspired, um, or I've been thinking about it a lot lately, um, as a result of of 4,000 Weeks, the book that Jonathan mentioned. Should we just come out and say this is now just a 4,000 Weeks fan podcast? Oh, sure. <laughs> I, I think that's fine. Uh, yeah. If we keep referencing it. Um and there's a there's a really a great bit in it um, that's that's talking about hobbies and the things we do for fun and the things you know things people enjoy. And there's an example that Rod Stewart, the famous you know rock and roller, apparently is a, a big model train enthusiast hmm. and has built this like epic uh, uh, replica of early Manhattan or something in model trains. Um, and and is so into it that sometimes when he traveled, he would, like, get a second hotel room just to have his train stuff so that he could, like, work on it while he's on tour and things like that. Um, and the point that the author was making about this is that model trains is, like, a nerdy enough habit for someone who's, like, trying to be a cool rock and roller <laughs> that you know he's not doing it, like— to build his reputation, uh-huh. right? It's not like, oh, yeah, my hobby is, like, hang gliding or, like, you know, extreme whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nerdy. And so if he is willing to do something that is, like, that embarrassing as a— I mean, I think model trains are cool. I'm not—this is what, you know, what the author is saying about Rod Stewart and his image. Um, but if he's, like, doing something that is, like, a potentially embarrassing hobby, it must be because he just really loves it, mm-hmm. right? He's, like, really into doing it. And so I was thinking about, like, what are the hobbies of mine that I have, not because I want to be cool or anything, but just, like, what do I love enough that I'm, like, willing to do even though it's pretty nerdy? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been thinking about cultivating embarrassing hobbies that I must only be doing because I love them. Uh-huh. It's not model trains. I haven't quite figured out what, what, a, what a nerdy one will be. But I like, I like that framing of it, right, is, uh-huh. is that uh-huh. it is something that is so enjoyable for its own sake that you do it even if it comes at some cost. In terms of being cool, I don't know. That probably matters less for many of us than for Rod Stewart. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, yes. Yeah. So a, a historical um, hobby of mine is playing the French horn. And I feel like that definitely goes in the category of like, you don't do it to be cool. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Are we going to uh, get angry letters from French horn players I, and model well, train enthusiasts? Well, no, they'll understand. Um, <laughs> we all know. We all know it's not cool. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so this was, yeah, I was, I was a, a music major, um, as an undergraduate and played hours and hours a day. And then, you know, since then have sort of lapsed and I had a couple periods where I would kind of get back to it and, but I probably haven't played now in, you know, 15 years or something like that. And so, mm-hmm. um, um, so it's not an active hobby, but it's on my list. And one of the things, and this is something I actually like, <laughs> Uh, anyway, this, I, I, this is a diversion, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Julia. So for me, with the French horn, I can't do it occasionally. Like, I either mm. need to do it and be pretty good at it or, like, not do it. And so mm-hmm. playing, like, an hour a month uh, is not going to hack it. I have to play, like, every day, almost every day of the week and then find a group to play with. So it feels mm-hmm. like a really big you know, commitment. And that's one reason I've, like, shied away from it because I just know myself and I know that if I start doing it, it's going to, like... Not take it won't take over my life, but it will take over an hour a day, and I don't know if I have that hour a day. Yeah. Um, so, 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 in the in that sense, it's like it's a hobby in that it's not my career, um, and I enjoy it, but it also takes on this like there's a debt or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not uh, there's a commitment there, and so anyway, so I don't know what your um, 
what your current list of hobbies are, and I'm, but I'm just curious to, f- to hear if you feel like any of them also come with a, a commitment or a debt or if they're just like, you know, more carefree. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely um, recognize some of my hobbies are more conducive to, I'm just going to sit down and do this for a minute than others are. And the ones that are more like time or equipment or space or whatever intensive are definitely the ones that I go more in like fits and starts with where I'll be like, I'm super into it for a while. But if it's not the kind of thing you can dabble in, then, you know, it it maybe doesn't last or or, or I don't do it as consistently. So mm-hmm. like, um, I, I can't remember if we've talked about my art before or not, but I make sculptures out of vintage books. Um, mm-hmm. You can check it out at Hokey Stokes, H-O-K-E-Y-S-T-O-K-E-S dot blogspot.com or just Google Julia Strand book carving. Um, and it involves taking a vintage book, cutting into, like cutting through the cover and then into the pages with X-Acto knives. So it just reveals the illustrations that are contained in the book. So it's kind of like a window into the contents of the book. Um, and it's super fun and I love it and have done it since grad school. Um, uh, but it is super messy. You know, Mm -hmm. it just leads to like little scraps of paper all over the place. Um, It requires tools that I can't really leave out now that I have small children because they're like sharp and dangerous and sticky. Um, And so that's that's a hobby that has definitely taken a hit since COVID and my art studio turned into a home office and it's Mm -hmm. harder to like go back and forth between them. Mm -hmm. And so that's one that definitely like has more has more setup cost. Um, By the way, those are amazing. I mean, I I, I have known about this for a while and I've enjoyed looking at them, but like it is such a cool, um, anyway, it's just such a visually stunning uh, 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 art form. I really enjoy looking at them. So anyway, so everyone should go look at hokeystokes.blogspot.com and take a look at these. And I also like how all of the... Um, different ones. You, I'm looking at it now, by the way. Um, so all the different ones you've done, like, like you know, they kind of have different uh, personalities to them. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and mm-hmm. it, pro- it seems like probably based on the the content and the topic and and things like that, which is um, which is really super cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's it's a really fun thing to do, um, and I, I think because so much of the work that I do. Um, is in my head, you know, like mm-hmm. even when we write papers now, like we, I don't even get copies of journals. So like, I don't even, even get a physical, you know, copy of, mm-hmm. of papers that right. I write. Um, and so, yeah, I really love having a thing that I can do with my hands that like gives me this sense of completion. And there, there's also a thing too. I, I really love doing science books and reference books. Um, and it's fun to like take visuals that are usually just used or valued for the information that they convey and then kind of give them an opportunity to be viewed as art objects mm-hmm. as well. Um, it's a, it's a fun kind of transformation process. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. Actually, I just had a gallery show um, in April at a, at a gallery um, up in, up in, in the Minneapolis, St. Paul area. Mm. Um, and yeah, that was really fun to, fun to get to, go and show. I've, I've done, I've done gallery shows before, but this is the first time that I've done a gallery show, uh, where I was able to go to the opening, like the opening reception. Uh-huh. And I totally just like hung out over by my stuff and like <laughs> eavesdropped on what people said about them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then a couple of times just like, couldn't even contain myself and be like, it's mine. I did it. I'm so glad you like it. Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> Julia, how did you get interested in doing that? Um, 
Yeah, so it was um it was early in grad school and I was into I was into like sewing and just making stuff in general and upcycling and you know going to thrift stores and finding things and fixing them. Mm-hmm. Um and I found actually even before grad school, um I'd been uh, at a bookstore and found a gorgeous set of like 1960s encyclopedias sitting in a free, like in the free bin out in front of the bookstore. And they were like these, you know, gorgeous leather bound, like beautiful objects. But, you know, they're encyclopedias from the 60s. So like Mm -hmm. they don't have an entry for Jean in them. You know, they're like, they're, yeah. Um, And, uh, and so it was, I just started thinking about like, surely I should like, there's, there's something you can do with these. Like these are beautiful as objects, even if, even if, um, even if the information isn't current. And I just tried a bunch of stuff. I like messed around with, I tried making them into purses and I tried, you know, like different kinds of sculptures and cutting through them. Um, and I just kind of finally landed on this thing that I like and have been refining my technique over the years and now have like figured out, figured out, you know, how, how I like to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of been a slow, slowly evolving, slowly evolving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's great for, um, it seems like it's good for artistic discovery, but also for like a, like a hobby, like to keep you interested because there's like, it sounds like it's it's gratifying because you have a thing you're done with, but also you're also refining and kind of working on it, right? You're not just doing one thing over and over. Yeah. Also, probably an encyclopedia from the 1960s does have an entry for Jean. And now that I'm saying that, (laughs) I was trying to think of something that's. Um, yes. So the, uh, I don't, I don't read all the encyclopedias from the sixties, as you can tell. <laughs> well, anyway, your, uh, your general point was taken that the entry yes. for Jean would not be as complete as it might Thank be Thank you. That's, that is what yes. I meant. That's yes. exactly what I meant. Well done. Right. Uh-huh. It would not um, have an entry for auditory cognitive neuroscience. So obviously perfect. it would not be complete. So it would yeah. not be that complete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but more recently I have also gotten into a, this is actually this, I think this, counts as a pretty nerdy, somewhat embarrassing hobby, um, which is doing cross stitch. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what I like about it is that it's the kind of thing where I can just leave it out in the living room and pick it up and work on it for five minutes or Mm -hmm. something. And it isn't, it doesn't require a lot of setup and a lot of time commitment. It's very easy to like dabble. And it's also easy to do while you're doing other stuff. So like if there's a movie on that I'm not super engaged in, I can just like pick it up and work on it a little bit, and and so I really enjoy having dabbleable hobbies. Yeah. Too. Yeah. No, I think and that's, it's another that's great. Yeah. Fun outlet for for creativity. I just did. So we have a um, our house is like 125 years old, and like all old houses, has a lot of quirks. Mm-hmm. And one of them is that um, there the upstairs hallway light. Uh, there are three different light switches that control it. <laughs> uh-huh. And, and so if you, if you do the math, there are eight different combinations of how those three switches can be flipped up or down. Uh-huh. And of those eight combinations, only two of them result in the light being on. <laughs> um, and uh-huh. so we've like always kind of, you know, gotten a kick out of walking around our house and flipping a switch and nothing changing and flipping another switch and nothing changing and flipping the third switch and still maybe nothing changing. Um, and so I cross-stitched a little like circuit diagram in binary. Uh-huh. So it's like 
when switch one is in position zero and switch two is in position zero and switch three is in position zero, is the light on or off? Uh-huh. Um, and it's not actually likely to be used as a guide, but it's just like a cute visual representation of this quirk of our house. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I just finished cross-stitching that and I'm going to like, you know, frame it and put it up in the in the upstairs hallway. Um, and that's, I was, I really like that one because it's totally nerdy but super personal, right? Like, doesn't apply to anything else anywhere in the world except our goofy cross-wired house. Um, and it's just a nice, fun little thing to do with your hands. Mm-hmm. But I think really the most, the the hobbies, you know, if, if we're, like, putting things on a continuum from how much time and setup cost and everything do they take f- from extreme to not, um, I also really like cultivate want um to have some of the things that i just have to do anyway find to find joy in those mm-hmm. so i've i've always loved cooking and given the opportunity really enjoy making big complicated fancy meals um or not even fancy but just big complicated delicious meals um it's somewhat harder with kids because you know like i get home from work and everybody gets home from school and daycare and whatever and it's like we have a fixed amount of time where everybody mm-hmm. has to cook and eat so that the kids aren't, you know, right. so the kids can go to bed. They don't want to eat at like 9 p.m. or something like that. Right. right. And yeah. it's also the juggling of like, okay, I want to eat this thing, but like will the like will the kids eat that or which components of it will they eat? Mm-hmm. And that has um, added some additional challenges to, mm-hmm. to the joy that I find in cooking. Mm-hmm. But given the opportunity, especially if I'm like cooking dinner, you know, if, if we eat after the kids have gone to bed, I'm like cooking dinner without – time demands or, you know, demands that it not be spicy or something like that because the kids can't handle spicy. Um, and especially, like, playing music with a glass of wine. I love that. That's, mm-hmm. like, that mm-hmm. is that is super fun for me. And so that's nice, too, because it's like, well, I have to eat, so I have to do something about this. And so it's, like, even more cross-stitch than cross-stitch in the it's easy to pick it up because it just is something that has to happen anyway. So like, finding joy in it makes it even better. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, that's a great segue into a challenge that I have. Um, uh, and it's, it's, it's an obvious challenge, but um, something I really enjoy doing, data, uh, Julia, is like analyzing data. Like, mm-hmm. And, and uh, I'm, st- I'm, I'm still rusty with R because I, I use it like just infrequently enough that I like yeah. learn the stuff that I need and I get a script working and then it'll be three months. And then I'm like, wait a minute, how do I summarize my group again? I have to look it up. Um, but, yeah, I, I do kind of enjoy that process. But it, that is something that's hard for me to do like five minutes here and five minutes there. I need like a little at least an hour, but maybe ideally a couple of hours to like, you know, pull something up. And you, you know how it is like to make some yeah. progress. But but the the good thing, but maybe more the bad thing, um, is that that so that that kind of so data analysis as an example. But that's something that for me is in the realm of I I, I frequently don't get a chance to do it at work, and I enjoy it. And so I'll be, throughout the day, I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that thing. I don't have time for it. And so sometimes, right in the in the evening or on a weekend. I have an hour. I'm like, oh, I'm going to like pull up that data set and analyze it. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, like if I do that, I enjoy it and it's great. It's like, this is a thing I enjoy. I get better at my data analysis skills and that, that's a part of the job I enjoy and not everyone does. But I've also just like turned work into like a quote unquote hobby where it feels mm-hmm. like I'm using my free time to like, oh, do my work. Right. And so I, I'm like torn about that because on the one hand, 
it's something I want to do and I'm glad to have the time to do it. But it also like then the like robs me of the chance to like do a different hobby that isn't related to work. Right. So I'm sort of like melding the, um, you know, work and personal together, which is like, Mm -hmm. could be cool, but I think, I think it's kind of, you know, a little bit more dangerous in in the sense that like, you know, the work kind of takes over everything. Right. Like I think it would be in some sense on paper healthier to have a, a hobby that wasn't just like a different part of my work. Um, but, but I, I enjoy doing it. I don't have a chance to do it. So I I struggle, I struggle with that a lot. I mean, I I feel like what matters is that you enjoy it. Right. And, and if like, if doing nothing but work stuff, I mean, if, if doing work stuff as a hobby makes you like it, I mean, if you don't like it, then it's not a good hobby, right? Then it's like an <laughs> obligation. But if you like it, who cares if it's related to work or not? Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I point, think the I, whole point is having fun and doing stuff you enjoy. And if you enjoy it, then. Well, I, th- I mean, I think I think that's true. Like, it's not like I feel like I'm doing something morally bad. I just think that um, I worry a little bit that like uh, it's better to have a broader range of stuff that we like to do. And sure. and when stuff is so close to work. You know, it kind of blurs the lines, which on the one hand, it's like, oh, aren't I lucky? My, I enjoy work so much. I get to do it for a hobby. But then mm-hmm. on the other hand, it's sort of like, yeah, but maybe you should like do something else. You're not always thinking about, you know, data and statistics. And it's like good for your brain to like do something different. Right. That's to be the, well-rounded. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I hear that. Um And, and I think, I mean, I, I think, I think that's especially nice kind of like not having all your eggs in one basket Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, I've always liked when having, feeling like I have lots of different identities. And I remember even in college, um, uh, when, you know, I would like get a bad grade back on a test or whatever, I'd be like, well, you know what? That's okay because I'm a great athlete and Mm -hmm. I really love this and I'm doing well at this. Or, you know, when I tore my rotator cuff and couldn't do crew anymore, I was like, okay, well, you know what? But I'm a, I'm a really good student. And, and like having those different identities is good because when one thing falls apart, you still have other things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so now I feel like that, like with, within stuff about work, right? Like, so about like my identities as a researcher and as a teacher and as a open science communicator, you know, that when one of those things goes wrong, I have other things. But I also feel like like it about about life, too, right? Like when I come home and just have a trash day at work and go home and I'm just like, well, at least I got these sweet kids to play with. Mm-hmm. I got my model train set or, you know, whatever, fill right. in the equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think in some ways having things that are different is useful because it protects us mm-hmm. from, from, right, having all your identity tied up in one thing. Um, but also if you like it. You like it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, yeah. well, I guess this is a thing, too. Like, there aren't really hard, hard and fast rules. It's just... Right, right, right. Um, but I guess I'm, I guess I'm jealous of... Uh, I am a little bit jealous of people who have, like... Who have found ways to incorporate other stuff in their life. People ask me what my hobbies are. And now, thankfully, I did think of one, um, which is podcasting, which is also kind of work related. <laughs> I know. But like, um, but I, I sort of, when we started doing this a couple of years ago, Julia, uh, or almost, almost three years ago now, um, I did sort of think, well, this is like, I've always enjoyed audio stuff. And like the whole, 
Oh, I mean, you can, you know, there's ways to geek out with the technical aspects of what microphone you, one uses and how one processes the audio. And I'm certainly not um, very far down that road, but I do enjoy that part of it. Um, so that kind of counts as a hobby for me, even though the content is more, is more worky. Some of the other stuff is a bit more hobbyish. So I've appreciated that. Um, but before that, there was a period of, of several years where I really didn't have much. People are like, what do you like to do? I'm like, well, I don't know. I, I try to exercise sometimes and then I, you know, have work stuff and that's about it. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I think, I, you know, anyway, I've always wanted to, to try to broaden a little bit. So anyway, dear listeners, if you're, you know, able to, to find ways to do more than that, then um, I applaud you. <laughs> and I, I think it's, it's useful. Um, I mean, when I've, when I've started new hobbies and try, you know, tried out like getting, exploring new interests and stuff, um, it's been useful for me to just kind of really be aware of and take note of the kind of activities that I find enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the, the, Oh, like the the kinds of processes that I like. So one of the ways that I know that I work with everything is I like to have a really big picture view of things and kind of, uh, metaphorically speaking, sketch out the outline before I fill in the details. Mm -hmm. And so I do that when I'm planning a class, when I'm writing a talk, when we're thinking about what we're going to talk about on a podcast, you know, like, what are the big things? Have the outline, then flesh out the outline. And like, that's the the form of the end of activity that I really like. Um, and so I tried knitting a few years ago hmm. and really did not like it because in knitting, you don't sketch out the whole broad outline and then gradually you know, fill it in little by little and then go back and adjust and fill it in a little bit more. You like lay down one perfect line and then another perfect line and then another perfect line. Right. And it's like mm-hmm. there there is an opportunity for revision. Mm-hmm. And so that was one where I was like, this is not a hobby for me. This just not does not fit well with like the way that I like to interact with projects. I really like to be able to revise. Um, I, I, I don't cook a lot of meat. Um, <laughs> I'll eat some meat, but I don't really I don't like to prepare it. Um, and I think part of it is I want to just taste everything as I'm going. Also, I'm like not that into baking. I bake some, but I'm more into cooking than baking because also I just want to be like, let's add a little of this and add a little of this and see what happens. Whereas with meat, like once it goes in and you like can't there, you know, you can't like taste it until it's all the way cooked or with baking, you just got to like, you know, throw it in the oven and say a little prayer and good luck to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so one of the reasons that I was like, oh, I think I'm going to like cross stitching is that I was like, this is totally like a sketch it out add some stuff in, add some more stuff in. Um, and so that that's the kind of thing that I feel like is a useful insight to have about finding things that you would enjoy is just, mm-hmm. you know, knowing the kind of stuff you like and thinking about whether potential hobbies would would work with that. Mm-hmm. That's true. I did, um, I, I went through a little baking phase, you know, I, I kind of a little bit late to the, uh, to the bandwagon. I discovered the Great British Baking Show. Oh, yeah. Great British Bake Off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so for... Um, I don't know, for about, off and on for about a year before uh, our twins were born, I was, I was baking. I mean, not that often, but like once a month, I would like find a recipe and try to not have it be like the simplest thing and, you know, do it. Um, and that, and yes. And so that like ticked a lot of boxes for me, like precise measurement, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like there mm-hmm. is a recipe. If you follow it well, probably things will, will turn out yeah. okay. I like that part of it. Um, delicious. I like that part of it. Uh, yeah, anyway, so it, it ticked a lot of boxes and, and, and I really actually did enjoy that. I'm, I'm a very slow baker. And so I don't know 
I, I would have done horrible on any kind of show with a time pressure because I feel like, yeah, I can add all this stuff together and I can measure, but like, it just takes me like three times as long as a normal, a normal sure. baker. Uh, so it was like an all, all, all evening thing. I was like, you want to bake this like simple cake? I'm like, okay, four hours later, like the cake is done. I'm like, oh, okay. You were like, how did they do that in an hour and a half yeah. on the bake-off? <laughs> exactly. But anyway, I did, I did enjoy that. So that, that is, that's also on my list of stuff to get back to. And that yeah, I feel like yeah. you can like, you know, it's not, it's less of a commitment. Like once you have the stuff on the house, you don't have to spend an hour a day doing it. You can sort of, you know, pop in and out as as suits which i like yep yeah yeah i i also i mean i don't know how we're defining hobby um but one of the things i really love to do in in the time that i have to myself uh is being outside and especially like being outside in the woods so Mm -hmm. hiking camping canoeing those kinds of things um and in in four thousand weeks he talks about um uh hiking as a hobby and one of the things that is nice about it in terms of like mindfulness and you know doing things you really enjoy is that it's an activity that I don't know unlike most things that I do I don't do it to like to be really good at it Mm -hmm. right and and I like I know it's good for me but I don't get out there with the intention of being like I will do this to improve my cardiovascular health. Um, You know, it's the kind of thing where it's like, no, I want to go for a hike just because I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And I like hearing the leaves rustle and breathing the fresh air and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, that it's that it's just for pleasure. Um, And so it's not instrumental in that there isn't like any outcome other than just the presence and mindfulness of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I'm also eager to continue to cultivate those kinds of outdoorsy hobbies, especially now that my kids are big enough that we can take them camping and, mm-hmm. you know, they can sit in a canoe without tipping it over and <laughs> things right. like that. Uh-huh. Um, because that's also, you know, we talk so much about like how busy our lives are and how fast paced things are and how many demands that we have. Um, and every time I'm out in the woods for a long period of time, I'm just reminded that I actually need so little to be happy, mm-hmm. right? Like if I'm just not hungry and I'm dry and I don't have blisters. Mm-hmm. Like that's really, you know, um, finding finding the the joy in those kinds of things. I think is a really good antidote to the pace of of life. A lot of the other time. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I do. I've always enjoyed being out outside in nature, and that yeah, I, I, I probably wouldn't have put it in the hobby category directly but i think as mm-hmm. like but but i but i totally think it fits and in in it's like an activity that's different than your normal day-to-day life and and brings joy and, and stuff like that um and i do think it, it's so good for especially if if one is uh so I, I usually have my phone with me when we go on hikes these days but i really just use it for pictures you know mm-hmm. um and it's so nice just to be like a little bit disconnected from you know, from other stuff and just yes. to enjoy it, it is like, it's like, like, like uh, not forced mindfulness, but it sort of promotes just being in the moment for me, um, which yeah. I think is great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I feel like with the, especially with the pandemic, like, um, our twins, you know, they're two and a half now, but most of their, you know, two and a half years have been like during pandemic times. And so there's a lot of like activities that we, you know, did with our older daughter that we didn't do, like you know, music classes or even like daycare stuff. Like they've mostly been at home, but because we can't go to other, we've been avoiding other indoor activities. Like they, they just do tons of outdoor stuff. Like whether it's just going around the neighborhood or going, we just go to parks all the time, you know? And so um, it was actually really cool to see like how quickly they adapted to 
Uh, like we have, we have not done backpacking with them, but just like day hikes, you know, just pile yeah. in the car, go somewhere for a morning. And now they're just like super into it, which is great. Like, I feel like we would have wanted to instill that. And then we sort of like stumbled into this perfect way of, you know, training them. Yeah. 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 That's great. Julia, have you, have you felt that the, like, oh, I don't know the time that's been available or that you've been able to spend on hobby stuff has changed like over the last, you know, over the course of your career, like since graduate school to now. And, and if so, has that been like systematic or just kind of random? Like, you know, was it kids or was it like career stage or is like what, what you're teaching or the time of the year or like, I don't know what's, what, what are the, what are the seasons you've noticed in this? What a thoughtful question. Would would you like to host a podcast with me where we ask each other thoughtful <laughs> yeah, questions? Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> um, yeah, so there have been some big systematic things, like kids just made there be less time available for... Uh, less, kids made there be less unscheduled time available. Um, and so, like, book carving definitely took a hit when the kids were small because there's just fewer hours in the day that you're free to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um Pandemic also, you know, like unreliable childcare, which has been such such a struggle. Um, so mm-hmm. those have been like the kind of big, big impediments to, to hobbies. Um, but also then I feel like coming like after like after parental leave, going back to work. Um, one of the things about having small children and having less time available, at least for me, um, made me work much more efficiently. Um, I mm-hmm. definitely like get more, and, and maybe that's also just career stage and whatever. But I def- it takes me much less time to do things than it used to, which then kind of frees up more time. Um, mm-hmm. Also, having like mm-hmm. prepped classes, if I'm like, oh, I have to lecture about something tomorrow, and it's in the evening, and I've put the kids to bed, I can like look at my calendar. I mean, uh, you know, look at look at what I did last year, update it as need be. And that only takes an hour instead of the first time I made the lecture taking eight hours or whatever. So um, there've kind of been some things that have made there be less time recently, some things that have made there feel like more time. Um, And then one of the other kind of shifts for me lately is just trying to very deliberately make more time to do things that I enjoy, Mm -hmm. Um, which is to say, not saying I will work until I've gotten all the work done that I want, and then whatever time is left, I will fill with fun. Um, But kind of deliberately saying, like, no, it is important for me as a human to have fun and do things that I enjoy. Um, And, you know, and a lot of that, too, is just spending time with my friends and family, right? So I wouldn't quite call that a hobby, but it's really important to me to have time to just hang out with my friends and, you know, go Mm -hmm. out and have drinks and have dinner parties and sit by the pool and, like, have fun with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I fully recognize that, especially given the nature of our work, I will never get to a point where I'm going to say, now everything that I have to do is done. <laughs> and so now that I have, you know, mm-hmm. eaten all of my good growing food, I will have dessert now. Like mm-hmm. that's, that, that's never, ever going to happen. And so I think the biggest shift has been saying, I'm going to set this time aside to do fun stuff because this is my one precious life. And I don't want to just work work my way through all of it Mm -hmm. even though i feel like i am very lucky that i do love my job and i really actually enjoy most of the things that i do day to day um you know but 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 i think setting aside that time has become more of a priority for me as i've gotten older Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and also finding things that like like realizing things about myself like i would say exercise is kind of a hobby like i love Mm -hmm. working out and i love how i feel after i have and that's one where I used to say, oh, I'm pretty busy. I guess I don't have time to work out. 
And I was just like, no, I'm just, I'm doing this because I know it's good for my body and my mind and all of that. So yeah, I think the biggest shift has been reprioritizing and making, ensuring that I make time for those things because I know it won't ever, it won't ever, I won't ever just happen to find the time. Right. Well, I mean, I, I would also say like, I mean, things do change, but most people, I don't think, find that they magically get, like, lots and lots of free time as they get older. Um, yep. There tend to be more work and family responsibilities of one sort or another. Um, so just as, just, just as, like, an encouragement, as, you know, for, for people who are, you know, early on in their career, like, this is a great time to try to be intentional about everything, intentional yep. about this stuff, because it probably won't get easier, and you might as well develop a habit now. Um, yep. Saying this as someone who did not do that, but, I, you know, I'm still still working on it um but anyway i think yeah anyway never it's never too early to start yeah yeah amen right well on that note julia should we um should we leave a challenge for each other or for our listeners this week listeners i would love to hear about your hobbies and how you incorporate them into your otherwise i'm sure busy lives jonathan i don't want to give us uh give each other a Let's find a new a new hobby. <laughs> well, before next time, how how about we find before and also because we've been a little bit you know on a relaxed recording schedule, we have more than two weeks probably. So how about we each report back on 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 a thing that we did for you know for for hobbyish reasons? Great. So it doesn't have to be a new hobby. We just like hey, what's what the thing you did that that fits in that category? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, another thing, dear listeners, um, I have been uh, really enjoying reading lately and find myself just plowing through fiction and would love your recommendations for excellent fiction that is not about families being mean to each other and (laughs) bonus Uh points if it involves adventures. Okay. Okay. And I actually, I've been horrible about reading, but I, in theory, like it and I I tend towards um, nonfiction. So any... I think any any book recommendations we will um, we'll share next time. How about that? Awesome. That sounds great. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.